Hello, and welcome to The Roundtable, a Next Generation Politics podcast. Next Generation Politics is a cross-partisan nonprofit building a movement of young people committed to building bridges across various divides. I'm Juliana, and this week, Inika Costante, Ria Meta, and I discuss, surprise, COVID-19. But it's a more expansive conversation than many are, discussing the impact it's had on us and our peers and exploring the far-ranging civic implications of this pandemic. Thanks for joining us. People really are not taking this seriously, which is really like disappointing because I live in like a residential community. So like it's kind of unclear whether or not like the shelter in place applies to us. But like people think that like shelter in place applies to the community as a whole instead of like so they shouldn't be going outside of the community, but they can like continue their lives like it's fine inside, which is like really stupid. And like so people are still going outside and like I know it's but they closed all the parks and stuff. So like. There's not really that much to do, but it's like, it's just crazy to see people so determined to go outside and just like sit and like just sit next to people. How's New Jersey? I don't know. It's like, I mean, it's still pretty bad. I think New Jersey and New York are like, like top three, top four, you know? So it's, it's bad. I mean, it's like community spread here. I think New York, it's different, but like, I know that it's a community, community transition and like, we still like, like, I mean, I don't know why it grew so much like after we closed school, but also I just feel like we have like really big like grocery stores and like really big like yeah. department stores and like our mall like the mall in, in my town is like huge so like um it closed now like now but like by the time that like it wasn't people weren't sure how serious it was it was still open so like i think that that's like a lot and then like people even though like people go on walks like my neighborhood is like pretty like all you mean like my school's my the, the my grade it alone is um how many people about 800 750 I have a huge school and like that's like you know think about like for each of those people we we all live in the same like generally we live in like the same area and so like going out just like going out for walks like my we stopped going out for walks now because like that was our only way of getting out but like we stopped going for walks that like it's not even you're not able to keep the six feet thing so uh it's just like I think it's just like you know it's like people weren't taking it seriously until now I think some people are but I still think like a lot of people aren't really and um I don't know it's weird it's like I don't know because I'm so tempted to be like oh it's just one person but and then I'm like I get too scared also so many people like commute from New Jersey to New York New York like, everybody's yeah. parents like work in New York yeah. and so like and they're like, still it, going like yeah, a lot of yeah. I, my parents personally don't work in New York but I know a lot of like my family friends and stuff like they're they're like parents are going because like or... they still have jobs you know and, like they have and like they people take the train together and like yeah exactly so like you you can like work in new york but like you won't know that you're bringing it home because like new york is like completely different ball game like there's so many people all the time but then like new jersey like i guess it's it's just if you work in new york like it's just bringing the same thing like they commute to like pennsylvania new york so like they take trains the train seat like it's a lot yeah within that and then like i just think like we have a really I don't know why, but like New York, New Jersey is like just like very populated malls and like very yeah. like Trader Joe's is like always so busy. I feel like it's like that kind of stuff that's like Trader you know. Joe's is like they're doing this thing, but like they're not wearing gloves or masks. So yeah. when I go there, when I go grocery shopping, I wear gloves and a mask. When I leave the house, I wear a mask. But like when I go to Trader Joe's, like I, I wipe down my groceries when I have to, when I get home, I have to, because like they, they don't wear gloves. And I was like, why? And they were like, because like of optics, like they don't want us to scare people. And I was like, I'm more scared that you're not wearing anything. Like I heard, I read an article that said a lot of the Trader Joe's employees are like getting infected and then they're not doing anything about it. Like I know my dad went to 
Costco or like whatever went a while ago and like he said that it's like they roped it off and they're only letting like some a few people come in at a time yeah. and he does like a line which I feel like is the right way to do it because obviously Costco is like an essential place but like I feel like Trader Joe's is not taking it seriously like I know a lot of, like they, people were saying like a lot of the employees there were saying that like they're like really scared for their own like health and like survival they're not taking, I like it's so it's so upsetting to see that they're not taking it seriously at all but I also think corona like in general outside of like highlighting how essential certain fields are that we don't normally like congratulate i think it's also like a, a huge lesson in privilege because like yeah. i mean i'll be honest like this really like made me aware of like my own privilege because like yeah. i after coronavirus like for example my mom like my mom's a single parent but like that has like its own like struggles within it but like my mom works like a good job that like her op like she was always able to work from home like that's always been an option for her so like yeah it hasn't made me fear for her like job security or like our family's financial security and like I don't and even like the the stimulus bill like another kind of glaring lesson in privileges that like I was doing like the math on it and reading on it and I was like I realized that like I don't think my family's going to be getting anything out of it which is like I I think that that's fair like I'm glad to see that they're not just like giving every single person the same amount because like I always think about that this like cartoon of like it's like equality versus equity yeah. like giving everybody the same thing yeah. is like not helpful to all groups of people at like different levels and so I think that but I do think it's like such a huge lesson in privilege and like people should take this as an opportunity to recognize like a like take the time to like when I go into Trader Joe's I always like I mean I'm like friendly with the people there but like I always thank them before I leave which I don't normally do but it's like it just it's I think it's just like as messed up as it's been to like the whole world like the world in general I feel like there are some like valuable things to be taken out of it yeah and it's like exposed a lot of like the like like care like carelessness and like exploitation of like big companies I feel like I didn't know like I'm surprised like Costco Amazon they're not giving their workers like sanitary equipment which I just feel like it's like it doesn't make sense to me personally but like I maybe just the expense of it I don't know like that's like yeah it definitely was like a big like lesson in, like privilege and kind of like the magnitude of like well like there's a lot like healthcare workers I feel like they're getting so much more like appreciation now but like they you know I feel like we should always have that level of appreciation for them. because they labeled it essential work that they should be treating them with like they, they should be giving them safety equipment because like if they're essential and they're getting sick like three Trader Joe's in the city had to close because like their workers were getting coronavirus and like if you can recognize that they're essential workers, you should also like mandate that they protect themselves and protect customers. I think that like they should be required to do it, but like, again, like they can't require a privately owned company to do something. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. Like it'd be even better if the government could like provide them with masks or something, but they're struggling to do that even with like actual hospitals. So, I mean, my, as much as my... like, I, I would like, the government to actually be like taking a stance on that and actually like intervening like I don't know if they have the capabilities to right now yeah. like I know there's like a big short shortage and like um you know like masks and stuff like that I mean my um my uh dad like used some like thin fabric that we had in our house and he like sewed um he's been like sewing masks and giving them to like the healthcare workers and so um I mean I don't, it took him a long time to figure out how to do it it's it's kind of complicated but like I just feel like there's like, I mean, I know it. I, I, I feel like it's hard to ask people at this time to like help out because it's so stressful for everybody. But um, you know, that was at least something like I like. There's a lot of instructions online on like how to make masks and stuff. 
so that was like really i feel like that's something that like a lot of people if they have time should be like trying to like help out but again like the sanitary wise like it's not the same quality and everything and i don't really know like it's kind of like scary like there's there's shipments coming from china i believe that like are helping with medical equipment but again like there's a shortage like ventilators and i feel like it's scary because and like my sister's a med student so she's starting to like deal with all of this and she's like starting to like help out in ways that she can and like she was saying that like uh like med students like i, I don't know if you guys know this but like, they take like a white they have like a white coat ceremony and they take an oath where they're like i promise to help out like, every patient blah blah and she was like say, telling us that like she felt really disturbed because um you have to like at this point because it's not a ventilator you literally have to choose like who to give a ventilator to and she was like it's crazy to like to be choosing between giving a life and taking a life in the situation like when she was like but all healthcare workers like took an oath to like help everyone in the best way they can and if we don't have the equipment to do it like you have to make decisions that like i like they shouldn't be making but like they have to there was like um a, a story of some some woman and she like gave up her ventilator for somebody else i don't know if you oh my gosh i think it was in like belgium or something and she was like i've lived a good life so like ha- let somebody else have it it was really really sad i think the video it's it was put out by the new york times that like this nurse who works for elmhurst hospital in new york like like for dead bodies like they had to bring in like a like a refrigerator truck that they use for like food deliveries and like like just like back it up by the hospital like back entrance to like store like that's just like it's so weirdly apocalyptic uh, apocalyptic and you wouldn't expect that to come from like one of like the wealthiest cities in the in the country is like it's like having like hospitals overrun and like government officials are like trying to work with like federal officials that aren't doing it and it's just that video it's like the whole video was just so upsetting to watch I mean, I feel like, um, I mean, some things, like, I've been trying to, like, see, you know, like, in terms of, so, like, before, like, when we decided, like, what we were going to talk about, like, researching a little bit here and there, and I feel like, in general, like, and I saw it on Instagram, too, but, like, I feel like the one thing that's, like, I think, like, the silver lining, I guess you could say, about this whole situation is that, like, I feel like it really does show, like, our solidarity as a nation, though, because um, I think, like, I'm, like, I mean, I personally think that it's, like, really, really, um, I don't know, it points in, like, a good direction that, like, the government and, like, Senate and, like, the House are all be, are able to, like, work in, like, a bipartisan way, and I feel like that doesn't really happen very often, but if you think about it, the 2008 financial crisis was, like, a pinpoint where, like, the political party shifted a lot, right, and, like, the whole, like, 1% kind of became, like, a debate, and economic inequality became, like, a thing of, like, the Democratic Party and, like, the Tea Party formed and, like, I feel like this is kind of a repeat of that in a way because the recession and because um at first i mean it's hard because like i think at the beginning obviously republicans were a little bit um less uh concerned than democrats i think that was really clear um but i also think that was because uh, like republicans tend to live in like rural areas so they might not have been like seeing the kind of spread that like new jersey new york would have been seeing um but like once you get once you once it started becoming an issue in like pretty much every state i think it's kind of like interesting to see that like for people in situations like this, people who aren't affected personally, like they don't really see it as an issue until it comes to their state. I think that's just a lot, but I think, you know, there's negatives and positives to everything, but generally I think the country is trending in a really good direction and like partisanship has really been decreasing because it's really like, if the if America wasn't working together, I don't think that like we'd be making as much progress. So in my opinion, like it's kind of, it's kind of nice to see that.
I mean, I think like, even people in the, like in my community are taking like actually like time out of their day to like help people. Like, there's this kid. He is a 3D printer, and he was like 3D printing these like masks that like you would attach like a plastic sheet to, and it would like cover your face. And then so like people all around like um, our town were donating money to him, and he was able to buy two new 3D printers. So now he's like tripled his production, and it's like really like it's inspiring to see how people have rallied like to help like healthcare workers in this time but it's also kind of sad that we needed this sort of situation in order to get that kind of support the kids 3d printing masks i saw that uh, i saw a video about it on twitter he's from your town yeah that's so cool because i thought that that was like but it's also like it's it's such a like it shows how poorly prepared the country was. And I wonder how much of this like ill preparedness stems from the disbandment of the pandemic team like two yeah. a year and a half ago, two years ago. Because it's like, if you have to have like a child, like mass producing masks when like the government can't even provide that, like that's so upsetting. I think what I, another, I guess you could say silver lining or something that's like definitely come out from this is that I think people's passion for the facts is really important. I think one thing I actually was like kind of like I thought was really interesting is that Trump was um, a little bit saying like oh we're gonna open up by Easter right he was saying certain things that made it seem like um his administration wanted to kind of get things revamped um sooner than probably was um beneficial to America and our economy but then um and I think a lot of inside sources were saying that like it really was uh Dr. Fauci and his and that medical team and their um, projections on how many people would die that and uh, Trump's uh, when Trump visited or like saw the hospitals in New York City that really changed his view and I think that like shows that like even someone who may be politically motivated and right to like get the economy back and running for his own like re-election purposes someone who's like been quite staunchly you know against um, delaying the or like having the response continue um, was so affected by that. And I think that was very like clear in like his speeches and like the way he reacted after those facts. And I think that that made me have hope. Um, and I think Dr. Fauci's prominence in this situation has been really, really helpful because you need a stable expert to kind of display what the facts are and the trends are. And I think he's been the perfect balance between optimism and realism. Um, so yeah, I think that really, like, and I feel like everyone knows, I've seen Dr. Fauci more times than I've seen, like, literally any other person. Yeah, whenever my parents see, like, um, Dr. Fauci on the TV, we, like, all go run to watch what he's gonna say, because, <laughs> I mean, he's, like, I mean, I think what I like about him is not, he's not, like, a pawn of the president, like, he's not going to, he's not afraid to contradict what he is like what Donald Trump has been saying because he's I mean he's the expert on the situation he knows exactly what he's talking about and I think it's good to have somebody that's not the president or the vice president as a face of like the government response to this pandemic because regardless of whether you support the current president or not you need somebody you can on so I think that it's great that he's like, he's really stepped up, you know, he's like the face of this response team. And he's somebody that like, all of us can look to because he knows the facts, like, regardless of your political affiliation or anything, like, he's the person that you can like, listen to and actually like, look to for an answer, which I think is great. 
I really agree with what you said about him not being a pawn for the president, but I also think a part of him not being a pawn for the president is that, like, he's not as, like, lax about the coronavirus response as Trump is. Like, he's very, I watched a couple, he did, like, a round of, like, online interviews on, like, different YouTube channels, like, Philip DeFranco, different, like, news channels, and some, like, non-news channels, but, like, I didn't watch those because those were kind of ridiculous, but he's, like, he's, he's much, like, I think it was, uh, Riga, who said that he's much more of a realist, and, like, when I watched Trump's, like, live, um, when I watch his, like, live press conferences, it's, like, he seems like he doesn't really, like, he can't grasp how serious it is, which is, like, really alarming, but I also think that, like, the media plays a part in, like, playing it up, or at least in the beginning before it was, like, a serious pandemic, like, playing it up to, like, make people scared, but, like, I think Fauci, like, he is very, like, level-headed and, like, I, I just agree with what you said that he's like something that somebody that we can all look to and like respect his opinion, especially because like we know that everything he's saying is like based in fact, he's like a history of working with like infectious disease response and like other people in the cabinet like really don't know what they're talking about when they talk about it. Yeah, it's like, it's honestly very, very interesting though, because um, like there's um such like a difference in like the political parties like how they're aligning and like the issues that they're like talking about now because um which i think is a good thing like i think it's working more in a bipartisan manner um so like for example like the you know stimulus bill sending checks to like americans who need it that um is definitely something that you would think of as like a democratic ideal and a democratic initiative but that actually wasn't a republican initiative that was started um, if you trace it all the way back to the origins of the bill that was um, proposed by, um, like the initial concept was proposed by Republicans. Um, and they, I think it, it honestly, like, I, I definitely think it's like a positive thing because I think sometimes people tend to associate very, have very strict conceptions of what each party is pushing for. And, um, you know, in the face of such a catastrophe, um, they really did what was needed, I think. And, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of hesitation, um, you know, and the end of the day, it got, it got, it got passed. Um, so that's something that I think, and it's even funnier because uh, Trump was uh, pushing for basically like a special enrollment for Obamacare, kind of like, um, like certain people have like more rapid access to the healthcare. And um, I believe that was the, that was the reason a governor, Oh, I forget which governor it was. A governor called Trump a socialist, and I—I I mean, obviously he was. It's not necessarily that label, but I thought that was like really, really ironic because in times like this, it kind of like shows you that like certain measures like this are needed. And I think a good point that um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez made was that this kind of shows that it's not the excuses that the government often uses to not give like welfare or Medicare is that they don't have the money for it or they.